Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast, a place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God stories from my friends that I share with you. Whether you're listening on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or needing a boost of encouragement after a full day, I want for you to feel seen by God, to be encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Well, hey friend, it's Ren. Last time we were together, you heard from life coach, nutritional coach, and podcaster, Verona Angle. In that episode, we talked about physical health. She shared with us her story and some great practical tips that we can all put into practice about how to be physically healthy. I loved how Verona connected it with being spiritually healthy. You can listen to that one episode back, number 135. I know a lot of you are finding this series so helpful, and I am grateful. Thank you for joining me each and every week. You know, this summer, my prayer for all of us is to have a reset in all areas of our health. You know, emotionally, physically, in our parenting, in our small businesses, in our relationships, and most importantly, in our spiritual lives. As you are enjoying this series of episodes, I would love for you to leave a rating and review over on your podcast app. Today's guest is Iva May. Iva is wife to Stan, mom to three adult children, and grandmom to her first grandchild. Iva is a speaker, author, and director of Chronological Bible Teaching. She is passionate about getting into God's Word and encouraging others to do the same. Y'all, I have not been a crier in years, except I think quarantine has brought it out a little bit, but I get super emotional when our conversation leads to talking about setting strong priorities. You will hear many practical ways of how we can get into God's Word and really see Scripture as a story, God's story. And so let's dive into this episode. You are going to be so encouraged hearing from Iva today. So let's jump in. Well, welcome to the podcast, Iva. Thank you so much, Ren. I appreciate you inviting me to come on. I'm looking forward to spending some time with you. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, I have walked through your study, uh, W3, Women, Worldview, and the Word. And so I loved it. It opened my eyes to uh, the story of the Bible. And so I have been wanting to have you on for a while. And so now this is the perfect time. So thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. So um, we're going to jump in. Before we do, would you introduce yourself to my listeners about yourself and your family and your ministry and kind of your day-to-day life? Okay, let's do it. Well, uh, Sin and I have been married for 38 years uh, this year, but we never dated. That's the interesting thing about us is we never dated. I, uh, he's five years older than I, and uh, I was a freshman in college when he showed up on my campus one day for some other event, and I saw him. He saw me. I kind of liked him, but so did my roommate. You know, I was at a a place in my life spiritually where, you know what, you just go ahead and have him. Do you want him in the sense of, you know, I I didn't want to be distracted by uh, uh, with that kind of thing at that time in my life. But anyway, so we ran into each other a couple times over the next few years. And every at every encounter, I think he's a neat guy. But in my back of my mind, I thought, well, my roommate really likes him. And so therefore, you know what, he's hers. Uh-huh. And it really, it was all one-sided. It wasn't, it was all one-sided, uh, <laughs> but I didn't know that at the time. 
And um, then a couple of years later, I moved uh, to South Florida from there overseas. And so uh, when I moved overseas, Sin and I began corresponding towards the end of that first year. I was living in Israel at the time. And then when he graduated from seminary, he came over on an archaeological trip. And I traveled with him uh, for part of that time and translated for them. And then he came back to the kibbutz where I was living, and he asked me to marry him. And I said, yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my commitment, we came, I came back to the States uh, Labor Day weekend of 1982. We were married in November 12th that same year. Oh, my word. That's awesome. I, I didn't know that we, story. Yeah, and then we started our family, like, right away. Jennifer was born um, on our, a month after our first anniversary. Two years later, we had Jonathan. And then uh, five years into our marriage, we had Stephen, our youngest. And he's the only one that's married. And he's the one that's made me a grandmother. Oh, yo. so, yeah. So I have a very interesting journey because when uh, Sin and I married, he was a pastor. And so I immediately was thrust into that the role of being a pastor's wife, which I've been, you know, the entirety of our marriage. And uh, it's been a crucible. There are lots of things that God needed to do in my life. And God has absolutely used that, that journey for my own spiritual formation. And, uh, but anyway, it's been a good ride. That's awesome. Okay. So what is your day to day now? You said you have grandchildren. And so yeah. tell me about what's your day to day life look like? Do you get to see them often? Are they in the same? Yeah, no, now? I don't get to. Um, okay. so Jen lives with us. She's did about 10 years in, in missions and then she came back last year, year before last and she works, but she lives with us. She has her own little apartment. And, um, and then Jonathan lives locally. He's not married. He lives in Memphis. He's a teacher. And then Stephen, he and his wife gave us the grandchild and they live in South Carolina. So we don't oh. get to see them very often, but we FaceTime with them every single day. And she sends wow. me pictures all the time and awesome. we're doing a beach trip with them next week. So Great. yeah, you get to see them. Good. Yay. I get to see them. Okay. Yeah. And so what does ministry look like you for you these days, especially during COVID? I know that you yeah. do, uh, you know, all of the discipleship and all the groups that usually meet. Yeah. What are you doing now? Yeah, COVID was a bit of a, I mean, I think for every single person, it took us off our track. And so you're on the side track trying to figure out what do you do with yourself? Because it's so changed how you do ministry face to face and all those things. And, uh, but I use it, utilize the, the first week, especially uh, like clean my house and got all my stuff ready to give to Goodwill only to discover that Goodwill was closed as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but after that, I'm just like, I had piles of books that I've, I had purchased over the last six months that I had either started and finished or needed or that one needed my attention. So I did a lot of reading and I'm a reader anyway. I love to read. And, um, so the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I go fix myself a cup of coffee. I sit down in my chair and I will spit, uh, I read through the one year chronological Bible. I always make notes. I have journals from every single year since I became a Christian mm. in 1976. And so I'll process, uh, my thoughts through the scripture, record those things. And uh, I actually burned, uh, several volumes of them because I'm like, I'm a real, honest, raw person. And I'll just like tell you whatever's going on in my life, process it on paper. Then I realized, you know what? I probably need to throw that away. Uh, so I do that. And then I spend all morning reading unless I have something to do. So I have the luxury of empty nests and I have, I'm able to do that. But I've always had a real disciplined life of get up in the morning. And I, I my kids will say they don't remember a day um, in their formative years. And while they lived at home that they didn't come downstairs or wherever I was and I wasn't reading my Bible. It's just, mm. just a habit. I just read my Bible every day. 
Mm, that's so great. I, I have that same memory of my mom. Um, my dad would get up a lot earlier than we would, but I would have yeah. that same memory of my mom. Yeah. And what a great legacy that you're carrying on for your kids and grandkids, for sure. It is because, you know, it's not a show and tell. You're not doing it for show right. and tell. You're doing it because for me, I, I need a guy desperately and I cannot be the mother they deserve to have without drawing near to him and having the wisdom that comes from just spending time time with him. But uh, they also need to know and understand that's true about you, that you're a broken person. They see you mm -hmm. as a broken person, but you're not satisfied and expecting everyone to accommodate your brokenness. So you're drawing near to God for God to continually to conform you to the image of Christ. And that mm -hmm. speaks um, volumes to, it's just part of a training program of kids watching their parents be disciplined to seek the Lord, mm -hmm. along with the other things that come with training your children. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I want to go back because I know the journey of teaching the Bible chronologically mm -hmm. started with your taking a chronological Bible storying class. And yeah. so that started in when you were in seminary years ago, and then you taught it to your small group. We're going to go back, but we taught it to mm -hmm. your small group. You led to write, it led you to writing W3, which is Women, Worldview, and the Word, which mm -hmm. led to your 365-day blog yeah. devotional on those readings. And then it led to uh, your curriculum has been taught internationally. It has been written into a men's study that your husband teaches and a student study that your daughter co-wrote. So I want to go back and say, you know, all this started because of that class in seminar, seminary, and I love that it was on the chronological Bible story. So tell yeah. me, was there like a call? Did you feel while you were sitting, I'm just kind of trying to picture you sitting in this class. Did you have a call that you were like, it was stirred up and you like, this is what I need to teach. Yeah. And actually it's kind of a, like um, a train where you have the engine, then you add cars to it and then you have the caboose. Okay. And for me, actually, the engine goes back further than taking the seminary class. Part of it had to do with uh, my, my personal experience when I came to Christ, when I understood how broken I was and how Christ had died to save me, to redeem me, to rescue me, to rebirth me. And it gave me a keen interest in, in his word. And I began reading the Bible systematically annually since I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. I knew it was God's word. It's like God downloaded into my spiritual DNA a deep thirst to know his word. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it began there. And then when we were missionaries in Zimbabwe, Africa, um, our mission organization was exposed to chronological Bible storying as a, a methodology for reaching oral peoples. Mm -hmm. The people with whom we worked in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, uh, were uh, highly literate. And so I learned about it, but I really didn't do anything with it. So when we came back to the States and I realized that in the West, even though we could read, many people were reading the Bible haphazardly, unlike they would read any other book, like a little piece here and a little piece there. There's no methodology to it. And, um, and then less and less people were actually reading the Bible. I mean, when I began to look at few research and seeing the statistics of people who are actually reading their Bible, I thought we're in a Bible literacy crisis. How do you, how do you address that? And so I took the class chronological Bible storying at the seminary because I wanted to experiment and say, all right, so we live in a secondary oral culture, which means that though we can read, 
we're depending upon the digital tools, what we see, what we hear, instead of what we're reading. People are moving away from high literacy learning, literacy uh, driven learning. And then we were also doing a lot of book studies that people wrote about the Bible, but not actually getting to know the Bible itself as the primary source. And so, uh, so I took that class and I just remember taking that class and I thought, and then I went to the professor and I said, has anyone adapted this methodology, this idea for reaching secondary oral learners in the States? And he said, no, you, you ought to do it. And I'm like, no, I'll just pray God will raise up someone else to do that. And, you know, but I could not get away from that. And so I, I created my own story set, which was W3 Women Worldview in the Word to look at saying, who is God? For women, let's explore those stories because why Bible literacy is so critical. It's actually connected to a question you're going to ask later on about a quote that I, I use about who God is and who we want Him to be. Has to do with um, we live out our view of God, and if you get your view of God wrong, your life will be wrong as well. Mm. And uh, so, for me, for women to understand who God is for women by looking at the stories of the Bible, stringing it together like a pearls on a string and looking comprehensively and saying, this is who God consistently is for women. I can align myself with this God because I see he is absolutely committed to the plight of women, how he enters into their brokenness and so on. And uh, so I experimented after I created the material, I experimented with a group of seminary student wives. I just said, you know, I want to try this out. If it doesn't work, we'll go to other methods. It, there was no turning back. Mm. We were using the Bible as a primary source. I think that's the thing that made it successful primarily. And then we're looking at this, the, the Bible and we're reading it together and exploring it by asking questions. Because the, t- the typical teaching, you know, the way we're doing it today is you go watch a teacher on the video and she's teaching the Bible and telling you everything you need to know about that text. Well, the deal is, is we only recall about 5% of what we hear. But when you discuss it, you're leveraging your learning experience and your ability to recall and enter in truth, the truth that you're exposed to at a level of 50%. And then if you turn around and teach it, well, you've ratcheted up to 75% and higher. And so what I saw is the women who began to who immerse themselves into the W3 process, they began to see that they, they themselves were reliant upon these external celebrity Christian uh, teachers, but they could teach the word of God themselves. And of course, you mentioned several of those girls earlier, Catherine Nafee and others, so many of them who, when they learn it, they just, they have a tool. They have the Bible and they have a way of, of, of helping women discover for themselves who God is by coming to it as explorers, looking at the Bible and saying, God, who are you? Because God has limited the revelation of himself through his word. Mm. So in, in that sense, that was the progression. Uh-huh. And then I added car after car until it was a train. And I'm like, I, there's got to be a caboose somewhere. I'm tired of this writing. <laughs> stuff. But anyway, it's just, uh, it's been a continuation of, um, we need Bible literacy resources. Mm. And uh, because God has put that burden on my heart, I could not expect someone else to do that. Mm. That is something that even though I'm not a good writer or any of those things that God it's given to me a burden for a, a desire to do that, a need to do that. And I've just simply responded. Mm. Well, I think it's so needed. And I'm, I, I love that you mentioned that quote that is one of your favorites. And I'm going to let's let's jump there. 
it's from Patrick Morley. And Mm -hmm. uh, he said, there is a God we want and there is a God who is, and they are not the same God. The turning point of our lives is when we stop seeking the God we want and start seeking the God who is. So how does that relate? What does that mean to you? But how does that relate to us as women in the word and getting in the word? Well, I think the best way to answer that is with a story. So let's look at give, uh, given an explanation. Uh, back in the probably late 90s, maybe the early 2000s, I uh, went to Mian- the country of Myanmar. And um, it was kind of a vision trip. It wasn't not intentionally where we we're going to do set ministry, but it was a to pray over, to kind of see and understand um, how, how would you begin to approach and launch a ministry to uh, Hinduism background, Buddhist background, people, basically Buddhism. And uh, so it's to kind of explore that. So we went to uh, numerous holy sites. And one of the holy sites that we, we went to is called the Golden Rock. And I think it's the third most holy site in Buddhism. So it's this Golden Rock. So it's this ginormous rock that's sitting on the decline, incline of a mountain. You think, how in the world is it not rolling on down? And it's ginormous. What is holding it up? And so they constructed, a, you know, an answer to that saying, well, it's a hair of Buddha that's holding it up. And so it's a holy place. And so it's covered in gold over years of them buying a little uh, wax paper, of uh, 18 karat gold, where they go rub it on there on the site. And then they have, but only men could do this. And so they had women where they could observe, but they couldn't go to this holy site. So I'm sitting there watching all these events going on and praying, God, how do you, what, what you know, how do we respond to this in a verse? that I'd read that morning came to my mind. Uh, Psalm 138, verse two, uh, part two of that verse, and it says that he has exalted his word above his name. And I remember reading that that morning and thinking, his name is holy and revered. There's no other name under heaven and earth by which men may, may, be, may be saved. And yet he said he's exalted his word above his name. And I'm like, I don't even, oh, what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. And so at that very moment, it came to me, you cannot know his name without his word. Mm. Left without God's word, you will construct a view of God that it looks nothing like him. So every religion, every people group, they form an idea of who they think God is, and then they worship it. Well, you cannot imagine God. He has to be revealed. So God is limited, the revelation of himself through Holy Scripture. So without knowing God's word, you will concoct or construct an idea about God and live out of that idea of God, and it could be wrong. When mm. you want to have it corrected, so in for me, that's why I love that quote because there's a God we want Him to be, mm-hmm. but that's not who He is. But when we discover who He is and align ourselves with Him, well, we walk in great, great peace and great truth. So mm. I, I love that quote, and I love that story. What an amazing word that God gave you with that picture. I'm so like visual, <laughs> you know, when yeah, you see too. something, you're like, okay, yeah. I get it, I get it. Wow. Okay. So take us to like practical. How can we do that as women that, you know, we've been crisis schooling, we've been, you know, quarantine and there's so many uncertainties and just in the world today that we're, you know, working out our faith. Like how, how can we do that? How can we get into God's word and to make it go down deep? Like you said. Yeah. I think it has to, you, you have to, um, have a plan, uh, 
construct a plan and then follow that plan. I think oftentimes people are like, well, I'll try a little of this, try like a buffet. Mm. But now you really have to know what you're looking for. And so what we have done at CBT, and we didn't even know that we were preparing for COVID all this time. Mm. I mean, we were creating some digital tools, podcasts, explaining the 14 eras and, you know, helping people read through the Bible, the one-year chronological Bible by giving commentary, by giving review and all these things um, that we have created for this. And so I, I would encourage people to, if they are interested in learning the storyline of the Bible, it's doable. <laughs> we on our website, we have a 14 era podcast. You just pull it up on the website and you can learn the storyline of the Bible using this simple graphic that breaks down the story and then puts it back together again. And it follows these two arrows, the vertical era and the horizontal era. And this is how I learned the story of the Bible, because it says when Solomon inaugurated the temple, he prayed this incredible prayer that Nehemiah actually bases his prayer on and Daniel does as well. But he makes this statement. He said, Lord, you have done with your hands what your mouth has spoken. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he's referring to God promised David that his son would build this temple and God has performed that. But I thought that's not a new idea with Solomon. It's true from the very beginning of the story that God speaks Whatever God says he will do, he will do in real time. And then you begin to pay attention every time God speaks and how God fulfills that. And before you know it, you built a storyline of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's how I learned the storyline of the Bible. I just simply started paying attention, keeping charts. Um, and then I thought with another story, people deserve to know the story. They deserve it. I remember on that, uh, that same trip to Myanmar, came out down, in, down into the um, four-year area, area of the hotel that morning, and I heard praise music. And I'm like, we were told that there, you can do evangelism, don't even bring any Bibles. Mm -hmm. And anyway, so I'm like, I track it down, and I go to this convention room, and I mean, it's packed full of six, 700 um, young, young uh, Burmese people. And it's led by some Filipino missionaries and they're teaching them praise songs. And it's through the praise songs that they're practicing and learning English. Wow. Yes. And so yeah. anyway, I'm like, I sit there and I'm like, I, tears are rolling down my mm -hmm. face. Mm -hmm. And because even though we were told not to bring Bibles, I'm like, I'm bringing some Bibles because you just <laughs> never know. Yeah. And anyway, so then they broke up into small groups after that. Wow. And they, they said, we're going to, you know, practice our vocabulary. And so I'm like the only white person there. Mm -hmm. And so I have, a, you know, a bunch of these people come sit at my table to talk to me and practice their wow. English with me using the theological terminology that they've just been introduced to. Wow. And so I'm thinking, I said, do you guys have any Bibles? And they're like, no. And I said, give me five minutes. And I mean, I raced up to my wow. room, brought an armful of Bibles, put them on the table. And then I opened the index and I explained to them the storyline of the Bible. Mm. Wow. Because this is what we do. We give people the Bible and say, you know, just read it. And they'll get to passages that we read as well. And they'll stop in Leviticus because it doesn't make sense. Right. But when you explain it in a simple little explanation so that when they get there, they think, oh, it's part of the story. This is how it fits into the story. Mm. I, I believe that's the way God intended us to approach the Bible, to teach the Bible. And, um, and somewhere along the way, we've kind of drifted. I don't know why we don't. Hmm. Well, and I think it's so it 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 just makes light bulbs go off because it's yes. it's all it's in, it's in a story. Like you it's said, you, you tell people that are 
Uh, I mean, it can be for anybody, anybody, anybody can listen, you know, anybody can listen to that. So, um, and just how it is all categorized and everything. Okay. So I know that your uh, ministry will do where you have, you know, where you will go and speak and, you know, where there are discipleship groups and, Mm -hmm. um, and you might be speaking at a church or, you know, as a speaker. Um, What about for someone who maybe is doing this on their own, maybe their church is not doing it. What would you say for them to do, especially during this time where I think there's a lot online. I know you're doing a lot of online right now. What would you say Mm -hmm. to that woman who really wants to do this? Uh, You know, I would encourage her to download a digital one year chronological Bible. And then, uh, and if she has a hard copy, that's great too, but having a digital, you can use you version and invite a group of your friends to begin reading the Bible chronologically. And there is a piece on that where you're able to, after the reading, you're able to give some response and make comments. And then you're interacting with other people who do as well. So I think reading the Bible uh, with a group of people who are like-minded, who are willing to explore that together, you can do that. And then follow up with a Zoom conversation with the same group of people. And I, I just think you grow more rapidly uh, when you, or on the journey with other people, not just going at it hard after, after yourself. So I want to encourage people to take that route or, you know, to go to the website, listen to the podcast, begin to put them together, get a chronological Bible and begin to work on that. I don't think it's, it's, uh, I mean, I learned it all as an individual and I just wish I'd had a group to, you know, mm. who tagged along with me during that whole process. It would have been a richer uh, experience to be able to do that. Uh, you just, people, one of the things that excites me, Ren, when you get into a group is people have different life experiences, different ed- educational levels. They, so they bring all that to the table. They'll see things that you totally overlook, but it's so absolutely there. Mm. And when they begin to share that, it's just a richer experience. I love mm. it. The Bible is such a brilliant, it, it takes God to have written it as an author. I mean, when you stop and think about it, tells the story from the very beginning of creation all the way to, you know, through the gospels and then the projection of what's going to happen in the book of the revelation. What Bible literacy Ren does, like what we're going through with COVID and then with the black lives matter and our whole nation is being ripped apart on many levels. Christians ought to be the most peaceful and hopeful people in our midst. Mm. We ought to be. Mm Mm-hmm. So, because he says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. The things that are written before are written for our learning so that we, through patience and the comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Well, how are we going to get that? Because the Bible truly gives an answer to everything. Why do you think those rape stories are in there? Mm. I mean, you have races turning against races, and the Bible, by the way, never uses the word race. But you have ethnic groups, but you have a brother. It starts off with a brother killing his other brother. Cain and Abel. Then you see with the tribes of Israel. What? One is nearly totally decimated during the judges era. The tribe of Benjamin. Then you have like, they, then they divided as a nation. The 10 tribes, they disappear after 200 something years. Mm. You know, it what? And then you see like what we're reading now is you have where King Asa fights against King Basha of the North, Northern Israel. And so what are they doing? They're fighting amongst themselves. Mm. So what do you see? You see that people who live outside of the presence of God, they sinfully domineer other people. Mm. Totally. And you, you see this. So you look at the first war that's actually recorded in the Bible is actually in Genesis. 
Hmm. So you can't, I don't believe you can understand any issue that we face without going back to Genesis. Hmm. There's nothing new under the sun. You know, so for me, Bible literacy is relevant for everything. And I think we said, well, you know, we have the Bible answers spiritual issues. No, the Bible answers all issues because Mm. the Bible is unsanitized. God doesn't clean up anything before he presents it to us in scripture. Mm. So why are we not using these stories to confront the brokenness in which we live? Who God is for broken people. We're all broken people. Mm. What does that look like? How do we engage? So I look and think of the more Bible literate Christians are, the better conversation we can have with one another. So, you know, for me is the more Bible literate I become, the more God aware I am Mm. to understand living in the presence of God that I begin to see things like he sees things, which requires recalibration of the direction of my life, a realignment of how I think, how I interact with other people. Mm. That's good. That's so good because this, I, I wrote down another quote of you that you wrote, Bible literacy makes or breaks God's people spiritually. They prosper when they treasure his word and they fall into sin and judgment when they neglect it. Absolutely. And that is so true. It's so true. And we're seeing that. And, um, and so what is something that how we as women can prioritize? We can make a plan. How do we do it with either young kids or grade school kids? How can we do that, that you did with your kids when you had three yeah. young kids? You know, Ren, I don't know. Um, I think women live with this idea. They, just in my experience, they seem to be overwhelmed with the demands upon their lives. And yet we have more, we have vacuum cleaners and uh, mm. wash machines and dryers and microwaves. We have so many tools mm. to help us do well so that we should have time to do the things that we need to do. I do believe it's a spiritual issue is, mm. is, you know, seek first the Lord and his kingdom. You know, so for me, if you will just get up early in your family, from your family, it's not a matter of legalism. It's saying that my husband deserves a better wife than the one he has today. Hmm. I want to get her by spending time with the Lord. My kids deserve a better mother than the one I will present to them if I do not spend time with the Lord. That Hmm. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect during the day, but it just says I cannot live without him. So I think the first thing is, is I don't care how uh, my kids were little. I was so broken that I knew that if I, if God didn't come through for me, I would do a terrible job as a mom that day. Hmm. You know, so for me, up earlier than my kids did. Now I'm an early morning person anyway, and I don't watch TV and I don't stay up late at night. So there's some lifestyle decisions that I made earlier on. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't waste my time on some things that there are some things that are, that demanded. If I'm going to be a good mother and a good wife, I had to be intentional about what I read, the types of things that I was going to develop in, uh, looking at my personal brokenness, reading book, Larry Crabb's book, Inside Out, was my first major incursion into that whole area of God beginning to heal me from the inside out mm-hmm. and so on. And so I began to read really great books. Uh, so, and I still managed to keep my house clean as well. So I think it's just saying that in order for me to be the person I need to be, I need to set some really strong priorities and stay with them mm-hmm. and make some hard decisions about myself. I think we just love ourselves too much. I would agree. I I absolutely agree. And I think uh, cell phones are a huge part of that. I really am in my own life. Oh, yes. So I think that is, (laughs) it's, it's just getting, you know, it's getting real about it and getting real about what are your priorities for your life. We're wasting a lot of time on secondary issues or totally unimportant, irrelevant issues Mm. like building it. um, I remember I got caught up playing, um, 
Oh, what was this little game? Candy Crush? Farm? <laughs> oh, no, no. Not kidding. Uh, you know, but it's, it's, it's a farm game. So one day I realized it didn't know one any good. Even if it was at a gr- brilliant farm that I built, it didn't produce anybody anything. Right. You know, and to realize that most of what we do, those kinds of games are just time wasters. Mm-hmm. We don't yeah. benefit from it. We're not escaping anything, really. We're just mm-hmm. become more of a sluggard. Mm. And it's just defining us as people that we're wasting. Our, our life is so short. Let's be good stewards of the lives that God's given us. Mm. Mm. I'm getting emotional. I just feel like that is such a great <coughs> message for us as young women that are raising our families. Like we only have one shot at this. You only have one shot, you know? And so what an amazing thing. I mean, I remember a couple of days ago, I looked at my phone and I had spent so much time on my phone and I was like, what has this brought me? And it's brought me more anguish. If you think about it, even worse. And, and then yesterday I just put it away and it was such a different day. And so I just, but it's got to be major changes that we have in our own lives. And so I appreciate you saying that. I really do. I feel like this is, um, this is just, we only have one shot. That's all I can think about right now is we have one shot at this, at this life that God's called us to and that he's given us. So it really comes down to our hearts and what our priorities are. And, um, and so I just, I, I just appreciate that. What is the last thing that you would say to a woman that wants to get into God's word, wants to know the God of the Bible and not the God that we have constructed? What would you say to her right now? That I think Red, I would say you are an image bearer that God created you to bear his image that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God foreordained for you to walk into. It would be tragic if you totally missed your life purpose, mm-hmm. that God has created things just for you to, through his working through your life that only you can do. Mm-hmm. And if you're not that person who steps up to the plate, then things are going to be left undone. Be that person. Don't just live days as it comes to you. No, take it by the horn by having a calendar. And things that you said, these are priorities. And you know what? There's some things you're going to have to say no to, say no to them. Your kids do not have to do all that stuff. Mm. They don't. I'm Mm. on the other side of this where my kids are all in their thirties, you know, and I didn't, they, I didn't run them to and fro. I was not a soccer mom. You can keep them so busy that you're wearing yourself out. And so I think just coming back to some simplicity, don't waste the time that you have. Don't let what other people say is important for you as a wife and mom dictate how you live. You find out who God wants you to be as a wife and mom. And you do that regardless of how it, how um, it affects your friendships with people around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, people think, well, you're such a fanatic. And I'm like, and now all these years later, I'm like, I look at their lives and I look at mine. I'm like, thank God I was a fanatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's just the whole deal is I, I don't want to waste my life. Don't you? I, yeah. I think when you appeal to the heart, no one really wants to waste their life. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Where can we find you online and where can we find CBT? Yeah. So chronologicalbibleteaching.com. It's kind of a long handle there. Chronologicalbibleteaching.com. Just Google it. It'll take you to our website. On our website, it's just loaded full of stuff. You'll have to spend some time exploring it. Uh, The drop down bar is very useful. We have an online Mm -hmm. library. Uh, The subscriptions there are available in one place where you, you can subscribe to different things, but there's a one, one place that you can actually go to that when you go to the drop down bar under resources. 
So utilize, look, just do exploration there on our website. Uh, sign up for it. all their subscriptions are free. There's no cost. Uh, God blesses our ministry and takes care of the needs of the ongoing um, uh, cost of running a ministry like ours. No one gets paid, uh, but all our bills get paid. And um, so we're thankful for that. But yeah, just chronologicalbibleteaching.com. Okay. And we can find you also on social media. Is that correct? Social media. Well, you can go to our Chronological Bible Teaching Facebook page. Okay. Uh, we'll post up there all the time. I actually am my personal page. I have a, a grinder, May. They can go there. But I'm thinking about collapsing it. Okay. I don't know. It's yeah. just, don't care. Move yeah. on. Um, kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. But I, but I want to stay in touch with people. I, don't wanna, I know yeah. that's the, the, the medium communication now with social media. So I, you know, so I'm trying to be thoughtful and wise in that, yeah. but yeah, those two sources for sure. Okay. I'm on Instagram. I think it's under, I have two accounts under my personal one and chronological Bible teaching. Okay. I'm really not good at keeping it loaded, but I, yeah. I, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the website that you mentioned, chronological teaching.com, it is you said it was loaded. It is loaded with packs of information. So it is a great, great resource for sure. Um, yeah, I really, I really liked perusing that. Okay. So here are my last three questions. Thanks for giving me your time today, but here, here's my eat, read, love. What are you eating? Cause I am a huge eater <laughs> and what are you reading and what are you loving? Oh my goodness. So let's do those in those order. I actually wrote those down because I'm like, uh, I need to get in my head where I'm going with this. So okay. eating for, I uh, have really high cholesterol and high blood pressure. So I have to eat really healthy, but I also love chocolate. So I'm always trying to figure out a way I can squeeze chocolate into the diet. <laughs> okay. I'm not a foodie in the sense of, I don't have a favorite food. Okay. I, I, there are things I, I don't really care for, but there's not like I'm pining to have this today. I'm just not a foodie. I'm not built that way. Okay. So there's nothing that I really have to have though. I do like Memphis pizza, cafe pizza. Mm, yeah. you know, I'm going to eat pizza. I want that. But that's good. Other than that. And as for uh, reading, I am reading a book. It's called I still do. Okay. By Dave Harvey. Okay. And even though we've been married for all these years, I'm still working on my marriage. Oh, sure. You know, and looking at it does 10 defining moments in your life because I'm not the same person my husband married and he's not the same person mm -hmm. I married. We've changed. Things yeah. have changed. Yeah. You know, and making those calibrations, those adjustments to that. So I'm reading this book and loving it. I'm actually using this book also with my a W3 group that I'm doing. Okay. This is so good. I just want everyone to benefit from it. Absolutely. So I am reading good. a book, working on a marriage. My marriage. And then I just received Robbie Zacharias' most recent book. Oh. Uh, I love it. It's Seeing Jesus from the East. And so I'm in the middle of that book. Mm. It's still, I, he's a storyteller. I just, I love him. He's just amazing. Uh, so I'm reading that. I'm reading a history book on American, the Christianity in America from the early days and the development, walking through each uh, era of our nation and how we developed the, and the religious wars that we've fought and different things. And so I, I want to know our country better in that, that area. Um, so I'm reading that. I have a favorite commentary that I always read. I always read commentaries along with my chronological Bible reading. Okay. So I get different books every year. So this year I'm actually using a set. It's called Preaching Through the Word. And it's um, uh, 
uh, it's Kent Hughes is the general editor of it. And I love it. It's just so simple and so basic. And oh. anyway, so I, I read that every day. So those are some of the, the things that I'm reading. I have a growing list. If you could just see my Paul here, you're like, <laughs> how are you going to get through that? I, I ask myself the same question. <laughs> um, so, but I also want to recommend uh, several books that I try to read every January. Okay. And these are books that are so meaningful that were foundational in my spiritual journey. Okay. The first one is The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And then another one is the, his, his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. They just um, set a great path for my thinking. I love the way he thinks and the way he writes. Okay. And then another a book that's made uh, probably the uh, second book that's made this, the strongest impact in my life is uh, Oswald Chambers' book, Not Knowing Where. And it's on the life of Abraham. And it's how God developed him and formed him. It's fascinating. I love that. So I, re I recommend people, and they're all like, they're not ex expensive books. They're paperback. Okay. Um, but they're really well-written, uh, very thoughtful. And um, anyway, so I would recommend that. Now, as far as loving, okay. man, I am watching this podcast called Thinking, uh, Just Thinking by two African-American brothers, I mean, yes. uh, brothers in Christ. Uh -huh. I'm loving it. They're just like, you know, bringing it back to the Bible. And I love how they're thinking and how they're addressing cultural issues. Okay. And giving a biblical answer to the questions that all of us answer. And they're not afraid to address and answer that. One okay. of the things I love about them is, is it's African-Americans addressing uh, African-Americans. It's not a white person, it, you know, trying right. to interpret what's going on. Sure. But I just love how they think. Um, and it's just, I love it. I'm both like posting it, sending all their URLs to everybody. I'm like, guys, yes. I just love it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I love to do is, man, just get me in a room full of younger, younger women. Mm. I, I just love being with younger women. It's so energizing. I grow from being with them. Mm. I love having uh, hard conversations where they're just honest. My marriage is falling apart. I'm not scared. I'm like, let's, what we can do. How can I come alongside you? Mm. So that's one of the things I just absolutely love is it energizes me. I'll be 60 this year. It energizes me by being with younger women. I love it. That's great. Wow. So many packed re resources packed for us. So good. So good. Yeah. So I will definitely put all those in the show notes for sure okay. after this, but uh, so many good things. This has been an excellent conversation with you, Abba. I appreciate oh, thank you so, so much for coming on and encouraging us in our spiritual walks with Jesus. And it's all about him. And so I oh, really thank you, appreciate it. Absolutely. I count it a privilege. I thank you for desiring to do this with me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode today. I, I told you, I just kind of got a little emotional there, kind of lost it. But, you know, I've been reading, I just started reading the book called How to Break Up With Your Phone. And so everything about that has been really clarifying for me. And so, yeah, that was just a little raw moment for, for all of us to, to hear Ren lose it a little bit. But um, I did want to say that uh, the show notes are where you can find out how to connect with Iva online to get all of the great resources that she offers for free. And so make sure you check out the show notes. They are at renrobbins.com under the podcast tab at the top of my webpage. Okay, one more thing before we go. I want to say a huge thank you to those of you who have left the podcast a review and a rating. If you haven't and you're enjoying what you hear, I would love for you to leave a five-star rating. And if you really want to make my day, go ahead and leave a review. 
You know, thanks for doing that. Here I am sending you a virtual hug right now. Here I am. (laughs) You feel it? I'm so cheesy. I'm sorry, y'all. Okay, so I'll see you next time when I get to chat with David Thomas. He will be encouraging us in our parenting, and you will hear an unexpected surprise on that episode when my seven-year-old son makes an appearance. Not planned, by the way, but David was like, please leave that in, please. I was like, okay. (laughs) So anyway, that's going to do it for today. Remember, we are all friends of a feather, so let's stick together, and y'all have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Love you, friend.